You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, the the other thing is, and I, I know we don't know what the budget will be for Steve Cohen, but I also feel very differently about this than I did three years ago where you could make a fair point, Evan. How could you pay the Grom? You won't be able to do anything else. Why should I feel that way about Steve Cohen? I mean, why do, would I feel that a mega contract to Jacob DeGrom, he's already making 30 plus million dollars. So if you pay him 50, yes, it's an increase of 17 million. It's significant. But why would I believe that Cohen wouldn't continue to right, spend? Like this what? isn't the Wilpon era. Spend on what? Get him and Judge? I mean, what's the... I'm not saying Aaron Judge. I think Aaron Judge is I, unrealistic. Isn't the right word. Right, I just, just forget Judge. But but I will say there is that sentiment. You're not alone. But if this were Judge leaving Philadelphia or leaving Chicago, like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado hitting the market, if everybody be saying go get Judge, go get Judge, go get Judge. But because he's a Yankee, you can look at it from the Yankees' perspective. They can't lose him. However, when the Yankees' season ends, wherever that is, he's a free agent. That means the Mets could have him if they offer him the biggest contract. I mean, it's... Yeah, no, no. I If Aaron Judge was a member of any other team, I would think differently for this reason. Not because I'm afraid of the Yankees, but I do think I, I have an idea that the Yankees work in a different way where they will not let him sign with the New All York right, so Mets. fine. I don't let, believe that. Say, that's true. So let's just, I can totally understand that. Doesn't, wouldn't stop me from trying, but let's just say, forget no, no, Judge then. I try. For, forget Judge. You want Nimmo back? What about Diaz? What about the improvement as far as that lineup goes? If you're saying Steve Cohen has money, how are you spending that money then? So my initial reaction is Edwin Diaz has to come back. And I don't think there's any question because a lot of it comes back to, and it's similar to DeGrom, but more so even with Diaz. Okay, you let this guy go. How do you replace him? Edwin Diaz right now is irreplaceable. It's amazing we're saying that about this guy, but it's so true. He's irreplaceable. Like, who's the second best closer on the market? There's no one even near him. I can say something sort of similar about Jake. Okay, you let him go. How are you replacing him in the rotation? Tyler McGill and David Peterson. Carlos Rodon, who had a great year, but also has injury questions. Like, legitimately. Justin Verlander, who's 58 years old. Like, I could say the same thing about DeGrom. So, to me, my initial thought is Edwin Diaz and Jacob DeGrom are absolute priorities. I like Brandon Nimmo. He's replaceable. Like, it comes down to that. Jacob DeGrom is irreplaceable. You would admit that. There's no one in free agency or realistic trades that's anywhere near Jacob DeGrom. Do you agree yes, with that? Yes, 100%. Okay. And Edwin Diaz, obviously, Same thing. that's not and even a question. The, the only thing, and I never gave this much thought until somebody was talking about it the other day, you know, bullpens and closers are so volatile. You just never know year to year. Usually the long-term closer contracts don't work out, but I – I feel differently about Diaz. I, I, I actually trust him, oddly enough, I, after what, what happened in 2019. I do trust him, and it shouldn't cost that much. So I would just tidy that up, let that be one less thing you have to worry about first because he wants to be here. 
they want him, and then go from there. But I just, dude, they need to get better. You're talking about bringing guys back, and I want to get better. Well, look, we have to start by bringing guys back. Like, that's the beginning of the process is, okay, which guys do you want back? So I'll give you something specific uh, concerning the Nimmo situation. Because I said, hey, he's replaceable. You can get guys who are better. I'm intrigued. I don't know if he'll do it, but I'm intrigued by the idea of Trey Turner playing the outfield. The idea that he's obviously better than Brandon Nimmo. I think we all know that. Um, he would bring such a dynamic to this team, could steal 30 bases a year easily. He's an outstanding, outstanding hitter, and he's such a great athlete. And maybe the answer is third base, but that's not what I'm dreaming about him with. I'm dreaming about Trey Turner in center field. Is he interested in doing something like that? I have no idea. All I know about Trey Turner is that he seems to have a real man crush on the Mets. He likes to hit at City Field. He likes the East Coast. The one guy he would want to have as his teammate is Jacob deGrom, even though that may not happen right. here um so, you talk about improving so the team there's an improvement to gonna, this team he's Trey gonna Turner. sign and play shortstop for atlanta when swanson leaves and degrom will go to atlanta and they get to be teammates <laughs> i would i would take Trey Turner. i've always loved him as a player but it doesn't solve the power issue for me with the mets i know you're saying alvarez but i i'd want i want to i'm not done yet I gave you one uh, guy. That's not my entire offseason. Well, you're, you're already uh, – so, wait. You're already bringing DeGrom back. You're already bringing Diaz back. You're bringing in Trey Turner, and there's more. I can't wait to hear it. Well, first of all, financially, let me just say this. The entire bullpen is free agents. So, I think you are, unfortunately, going to have to go more on the cheap internal end when it comes to building your bullpen behind Edwin Diaz. Like, Adam Ottavino had a great year. I would not bring him back. Maybe Lugo. See I would maybe bring back Lugo. The other guys forget about. You're right. Drew Smith is going to be the eighth inning guy next year. You got to go cheap that way. Uh, Chris Bassett's gone. I, I know he has like an $18 million mutual option. Goodbye. You can't handle New what? York. David Peterson, Tyler McGill, even Trevor Williams. Come on down. So I think finances, if that's what you're thinking about, that's how I would try to keep it not too crazy. Bassett's right. gone. Uh, most of the bullpen is gone. And think about this with Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo is an analytics dream. He's going to be paid a lot of money. And he may get paid $25 million a year. I don't think I that's crazy. I would never pay him that. Not even close. Right. So how much more per year is Trey Turner really getting? How much right, more? So is he going to get $30 million a year? Thirty-five. Yeah, and look, the, the complication of the Turner thing is you got to talk to him. He's got to be willing to play the outfield. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's like, no, screw that. I'm a shortstop or I'm a second baseman. And if that's the case... Obviously, it goes nowhere, but there seems to be this feeling that Turner loves the East Coast. That maybe, and I think athletic wise, he could absolutely play center field. I'm not concerned about that. It's more getting him as a guy to buy in. Uh, Jock Peterson would be a guy I'd have to give if you the pop. Nimmo could play center field. Trey Turner could figure out a way to play center field. <laughs> <laughs> Nimmo, Nimmo did a really good job defensively in center field, but the biggest criticism the Beltron haters had. And I was always a Beltron defender was he plays too deep. Ah, he plays too deep. Brandon Nimmo played in Siberia. And and that's why he's good at going back on balls because he doesn't have great speed. He's not a great athlete. Look, he's done a nice job and much better than I ever thought he would be. But I'm with you. I would let him go and I wouldn't worry about the defense. But I'd be fine with Trey Turner. I I just then you would need power. Maybe it comes from Alvarez. I don't know about Peterson. Although Jock Peterson possesses what I feel like this Mets team lacks, and that is sack. That's what they need, toughness. 
Peterson is unafraid. They have a couple of guys, but they don't have enough. And I like the, you know, I don't love Peterson as a, as a player, but I do, I do like his attitude. I think the Mets need that type of attitude. Yeah, Ian Happ is another guy I was thinking about, like that kind of fits that mold of can hit the ball over the fence and has a little bit of balls. And, you know, I don't know if it's effectively worked for the Yankees, but the thing we always heard about Josh Donaldson was he provides that thing to the Yankees they don't have in their locker room, whether it was balls, however you want to phrase it. And I don't know if that's actually worked for the Yankees, but that was the theory. We all said it. We all repeated it all. Donaldson gives them that kind of, pizzazz that they need and I do think that we as Met fans look at this team after the way they collapsed and say yeah we we want the guy to be more productive than Josh Donaldson because he didn't have a productive regular season but you want guys that at least you think can bring that to the locker room. well and I think they have that with Scherzer and I think think they got better in that department but clearly the way that they lost, that cannot be accepted. And maybe they were too nice and too friendly with each other, talking about how this clubhouse was great and the chemistry was great. Maybe they need somebody with a little bit of an edge to, to I don't know, push some guys a little bit. But something has to change in that regard because this was a soft team, proven to be a soft team. So how much, we go back to this from earlier, how much do you put on Buck? I'm not putting a lot on it, but I do think that Buck keeping the even keel. Like, I, I wanted an Aaron Boone slap the table moment from Buck toward the end of the year. Never it happened. Never happened. Not once. He never showed. And I know he's, I know Buck. I know he was living inside with the way some of the stuff went in September with the Atlanta series and obviously with the way the thing finished. So, but there's a tough, there's a fine line there because if he goes too hard, he's old school Buck, he's nasty Buck, rubbing the players the wrong way. But I, that even keel, which I think can be good, I didn't get real emotion from Buck. I, and I, I wanted that. So I would he takes some of the blame, not all, not a large chunk, but at least some of it because he is the captain of this ship. Yeah, I think eventually he gets more of it. If this team struggles next year, if this team, dare I say, collapses again next year, I think then he would take a lot of heat as, well, maybe – that comes from the manager who's won right. nothing. Because I, I I haven't put a lot of stock in what he's done in his postseason career. He's a different guy. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I think the handling of Edwin Diaz is proof of that. The biggest criticism or the biggest mistake maybe he ever made in his career was his handling of Zach Britton a decade ago. And clearly, he learned from that. And he's also strategic. This is what I loved about Buck this year. He is strategically a different manager than he ever was. 
Like there was never a time in which Buck Showalter or any other manager would routinely use his closer in the eighth inning to get better hitters out and then go to his eighth inning guy in the ninth inning. And personally, I love it. Like that warmed me up to him more than anything he did because it always made sense they to will, me. For eight they years, will, I screamed about it, and they he will did it. never get a better in-game tactician than Buck Showalter. That's just something like he's maxed out in that aspect of it. The temperament, the the dealing with the players, I think he's good there, but I would be mildly concerned off of the way that they fell apart. Absolutely, and it's going to be a question they all have to answer all, all right. year. Um. Garrett Cole was in a tough spot in 2022. No matter what he did during the regular season, people were going to think back to the wild card game. Didn't matter. And unfortunately, you can't do anything in April to fix October. You can't right. do anything in June to fix October. That's the problem the Mets are going to have. Not just Max Scherzer, but everybody. Hey, yeah, you guys are you guys have won eight in a row. You're six games up. Remember when you guys choked like dogs in 2022? Yeah. And there's nothing you can do until you get right back to the same spot or maybe around later, the division series, and then you erase it. And that's going to be a, it's a cloud over them. I thought the 08 Mets had the same cloud all year long. Hey, you guys collapsed last year. Hey, you guys collapsed last year. And then they, they didn't collapse in 08. They lost a tough pennant race, but they sort of did it again. And so sometimes that cloud is a real battle that you guys have, and I think the Mets are going to have it next you, year. I could use the same thing with the football example with the Falcons blowing that 20. When you have a colossal failure like that out of nowhere, one game, one weekend, one series, whatever, you're going to be labeled as that until you get out of it. You mentioned it with 07. Yes. Wait, we knew at the time. That's why Francesca was saying they got to either get rid of Wright or Reyes because they can't keep this core together. I... He turned out to be right. Now, he had the wrong guy. He wanted to keep Reyes and not right. But the point is they couldn't go with that same core because of, of that stink that was attached to it. I felt the same thing about the Falcons after the Super Bowl. That proved to be true. What will happen now with this group? You know, they're going to go with the same core, and then what? Are they going to actually win this time yeah. and prove people wrong or end up in the same spot? I cited that argument on the air the other day the Francesa argument that he had with me, with you, and a lot of diehard Met fans about the, the core is rotten. Okay, you got to get rid of the core. <laughs> and we were all pissed at him. I yelled at him. We all yelled at him. It was my first time ever yelling at Mike. It was a great experience. But <laughs> what I admitted to him years later was, you were right. Like, I, I didn't want to admit that. You're right. And I, I don't want to have to think about that with this team. Because what does that mean? If we think the core is rotten, what that? What do you? First of all, Lindor's not being traded; he's untradeable. So, what does that mean? You trade Pete Alonso? No, no way. You trade Jeff McNeil? Like, what? What the hell does that mean? No, and that's what's well, scary. I wouldn't want to do that. Which brings us back to the beginning. Then you could change the philosophy on how you build this team, as opposed to bringing Jake back and pairing him again with Scherzer for another run for a year or two. You go build the best bats, the best lineup that you possibly can. All right, a couple of things about you. I want you to be honest with me. Was there any part of you that enjoyed, because you became like a rallying cry in Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, your meme is everywhere in Atlanta, Georgia. You have brave players tweeting at you after they win the division. Now, I know you better than anyone in Atlanta. They think, ah, stupid guy went on TV, hot take central. No, I, I know that's not the case. You believed it. We argued about it a few weeks later where I didn't think the division was over. You did. It was a genuine opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but you became a like a, a name people knew in Atlanta, the beat writers and referring to yeah. Sal, the players are referring to Sal. Is there any part of you that said, you know what? I kind of like this. Uh, I, I guess the look, first and foremost, you know, I don't do the hot take crap. I say what I feel. I've always said that. So I never said it for attention, nor did I ever think once about anybody from Atlanta watching that clip. I was more concerned about the Met fan who was going to think I was a jinx than anything else. And I did even say, I don't want to hear about the jinxes. I believe the Mets are going to win, win the division coming in. Now they're up 10 and a half games. I believe they're going to win it now. So I never tried to do it to get attention. But I will admit that, yes, there was at least a little part of me that did enjoy, even though I was beyond devastated, when Tyler Matzik is tweeting me from the Braves <laughs> locker room during the champagne celebration. It's like, wow, like if, if people really gave a crap about that video and I know it was said wrong and I know they're making, you know, they're making me look like a fool, whatever. But still, the fact that I became a household name in Atlanta was bizarre. It, does it make it more bizarre that you're a Falcon fan? So you've That's got the like irony. some affinity. They don't even know those knuckleheads. <laughs> the irony is I never hated the Braves outside of 99 through 2001. And yes, I'm a freaking Falcons fan. And like them, I suffered through 28 to 3. It's unbelievable. And I get the worst end of both things. I, I wish I had the Braves' success. Unfortunately, I have the Mets, and I lose there. And I have the Falcons, and I lose there. If the Falcons are successful and making a postseason run, and you're at home watching a game, is there a part of you that says, see those people cheering? I hate those people. <laughs> they hate me. And I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> I am one of them. I've flown down there many times. Uh, my Falcon fandom, though, truth be told, especially now doing full time shows on the fan, like I'm more focused on Jets and Giants. And after 28 to three, it it just you, you, you don't understand until you go through it. It it took something out of me. No, I me back. I think I've experienced bad losses, like losses that I still think about all these years later. Some of them we share, some of them right. we don't. Uh, obviously, the Mets stuff we all know, but like the Durant foot game against the Bucks. I mean. <laughs> It's nothing compared to 28 to three. And that that's what I do. I do feel bad for you. Like the jet loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC championship game, nothing compared to 28 to three. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm saying it to remind myself. I think I've had pain. That's it's pain. the worst. That's as bad of a loss as it can be. It's the worst loss in the history of the sport. So I don't yeah. care what, you yeah. know, you may have had bad ones in baseball and this or that, but that nothing will ever be worse to me than having it right there your whole life. You've dreamt about it. It was the dream season. I flew down back-to-back -back weekends. Matt Ryan won the MVP. Like it was the they were beating Brady and the Pats to boot. It will never get as good as that. And they blew it in the worst fashion possible. There's no way I could ever go back to being the fan that I was before that. Just doesn't, it's not real. Uh, one last thing about this season, because the Mets won 101 games. They had a lot of amazing victories. Do you think there's a day where we would look back at 2022 and say, nah, it was a fun year. It's a good year. 101 wins, second most in franchise history. That comeback against the Phillies was amazing. That comeback against the Cardinals was amazing. Or do you think this remains a 07 like year where anytime someone mentions 2007, no one will think of wins? They will only think of the choke. I don't ever see this being remembered in a positive light. The way that they lost, the, the way they imploded in Atlanta, will they'll net and to boot to finish it off. Had they beaten the Padres 
different story. And let's say they beat the Padres and lose in the division series to the Dodgers. Different story. The way that it spun out of control like that, and they were never able to recover, I don't think 2022 will ever be looked at in a positive light by Mets fans. I agree. I agree. So Hoff, cancel the top 10 victories of 2022 podcast. We're not going to do it <laughs> because it would just be a colossal waste of time. But I will tell you on the next edition of Rico Bronia, which we'll record Sunday night, we call it the Met Fans Guide to Watching the Postseason. That's right. We may not be in the postseason, but we'll tell you how to watch it, who to root for, and who to root against, whether it's teams, players, and all sorts of scenarios. Sal, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, everybody can listen to Sal overnights, whether it's at midnight to 5 a.m. or 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., or if he's on Twitter fighting with Keith McPherson, (laughs) or on Baseball Night New York on SNY. Thank you for coming on, Sal. Thanks, Ev. Appreciate you having me. And thanks, everybody, for listening to another depressing (laughs) edition of Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.